And the reason that doesn't happen is because you all serve. Give yourself a big hand. <laughs> you know, Pastor Peter and I uh, have many things in common. One is we're not too good at music. So you want to keep all the worship people engaged, and uh, we appreciate that. Peter, it's great to be with you and your great church. Wonderful to uh, take this day to uh, celebrate. I've heard about this church for a long time, and uh, first time ever here. This is an amazing place. I love your facility. Everything's pristine. Programs are happening all over the place. And of course, Dave and Sharon and I have been friends for many, many years. Of course, they're much younger than I am, but uh, we've been uh, friends for many, many years. I've been pastor at Bethany Christian Assembly in Everett for 38 years. Can you believe that? 38 years. And at least two of you are saying, that is so surprising, you only look 39. You only look 39, but no, it's uh, been a long time. But uh, we're excited about uh, all that God is doing there at BCA, and uh, it's just a joy to be here today, a, a true honor. And uh, today we're going to talk about uh, saying yes to God's call in our life. As we talk about serving and gifts, I want to kind of raise the stakes a little bit and just kind of remind us multiple times that when you're invited to serve, when any of us are invited to serve, it's not really the pastor asking, as funny as that video was and as important as it is to ask. The reality is Jesus Christ is asking us. He's the one who calls us. He's the Savior. He's the Commander-in-Chief. This is his church. And uh, I just want to encourage you to think deeply about where you are with response to answering in the affirmative God's call on your life. Now, I was uh, kind of chuckling the other day as I was thinking about this whole idea of being all in. You know, uh, uh, being all in is really important in the sports world. It's really important if you're going to get good grades, if you're going to, you know, get, uh, get through graduate school, you know, if you're going to grow a great marriage, you need to be all in. I've even had to talk to a few uh, of my staff members through the years and say, you need to be all in. Uh, being all in is important. And, uh, you know, the question we want to ask ourselves is, are, are we all in with regard to Christ's call in our life? Well, I, I was reading about this lady who was uh, talking about a diet she had just started. And she says, I don't mean to brag, but I want you to know my 14-day diet, I finished it in three hours and 22 minutes. That's not being all in. That is not being all in. Or the, uh, the other person who said, you know, I want to get away from sweets, so I'm not going to do chocolate. And so uh, how, did, how did she say it? She said, you know, after 12 days with no chocolate, I lost all hearing in my left eye. Well, <laughs> that's not what I mean by being all in. Uh, being all in is what the five-year-old told her dad when she asked these profound questions. You ready? Are cats made of meat and why do things exist? Now that girl is all in. Five years of age. My, uh, my grandson lives in Kentucky, and he's three and a half years old, and he started his soccer career this fall. And of course, his grandpa, I know he's going to be a professional one day, it's just a matter of time. And I told his dad, I said, listen, I'm sad, brokenhearted, I cannot be in Kentucky, you need to take a video, uh, or FaceTime is even better. And he said, okay, one o'clock is the game. I'm waiting by my phone. One o'clock comes, it goes. 1.15 comes, goes. 1.30 comes, goes. 1.45. Finally, you know, close to two o'clock, I get, uh, get a, 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 a video. And there's Rowan playing in the grass, not on the field, playing in the grass, with these words underneath the, uh, the picture, the caption. 
refused to play. <laughs> I got to talk to my grandson about being all in. He's not quite there yet, but uh, yesterday's game was a little bit better. He's at least running in the right direction, so it's all good. When it comes to saying yes to God's call on our life, this quote by C.S. Lewis really challenges me. He says, if you're thinking of becoming a Christian, I warn you, you're embarking on something which will take the whole of you. When I look at that quote, I ask myself immediately this question, Rob, where in your life are you not giving the whole of you to Christ? Where are you holding back? Where are you saying no instead of saying yes? I want to invite you to ask yourself those kind of questions here today. You know, I believe that there are a lot of wonderful spiritual disciplines talked about in the Bible. Pray, fast, read the Bible, memorize scripture, you know, share your faith, so on and so forth. Giving. Um, but one that's not talked about enough is evaluation. We don't, we don't talk enough about self-evaluation. And over and over in the scripture, we see that we're to examine ourselves, we're to evaluate ourselves, take stock of ourselves. And far too often we give ourselves a pass and we say, hey, I'm okay, you're okay, everything's okay, everything's wonderful. But today I want you to kind of, you know, be a little more forthright with yourself and just ask the question, am I saying yes to God's call in my life in literally every area that he calls me? There's a scripture tucked away in 2 Peter 1, 10 and 11 that really speaks to me about calling. It says, make every effort to confirm your calling. When you serve, you're, you're confirming your calling. When you give in the offering, you're confirming your calling. When you come to a worship service and support and encourage one another, you're confirming your calling. Make every effort to confirm your calling. I uh, was writing out what I call deliberate discipleship decisions uh, a while back. You know, 3D, deliberate discipleship decisions. And I just made a list of areas in our life as Christians where we really need to ask ourselves, am I saying yes to God's call? Let me just go through these kind of quickly. Grace, part of your church's name. Will I completely trust and follow Jesus? Gather, will I faithfully attend worship every week? Grow, will I read my Bible and pray and fast weekly? Groups, will I build community among others by joining or leading a small group? Gifts, will I use my spiritual gifts, this is the one we want to talk about today, to serve other people or not? Giving, will I tithe the first 10% of my income to the Lord's work? Going, will I share my Jesus story with others? Godliness, will I forsake sin, recognize his lordship? Generosity, will I move towards sacrificial giving of time, talent, and treasure? Grief, will I overcome pain and problems in the power of Christ? That one has hit me really hard the last year or so as I've worked with so many people that want to believe firmly in Christ, but they've been so overwhelmed by obstacles and adversity that it's derailed their faith. I'm doing a series back home on the road back from regret. And we're talking about how God doesn't want us to live in the ruins of our life, but rise above the ruins and become the people he wants us to be. Grief. Gratitude, will I live with an attitude of gratitude? Glorify, will I live my life to glorify Jesus Christ? Decisions determine direction. Direction determines destinations and destinations determine destiny. That's what I've come to learn through my life and maybe you have as well, but it all starts with the decisions. And today I'm inviting everybody 
everybody to make a fresh decision, a fresh commitment, and say, yes, I will serve God and others by using my gifts. The bottom line is you are blessed to be a blessing. You're gifted for greatness. You have been saved to serve. Those are more than just phrases to me. They, they just really kind of rattle my cage a bit and, and cause me to pause and, and make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm moving in that direction. Today, I don't want this to be about guilt. Hey, you know, Pastor Rob's up there talking about how I need to serve more. I, I don't think guilt is a really great motivator. But what I do want to do is raise the, the thermostat a bit, kind of raise the tension and kind of position it this way. Am I going to say yes I will serve God and use my gifts to bless him and others, or no, I will not. Because I think there's only two answers. To say, well, maybe, that's not really an answer. Or one day, I might. It's either yes or no. And I really want to dial that tension up, because the truth is this. There are precious people outside the walls of this church whose eternal life hangs in the balance. And it's true around our church as well. And imagine if more people got involved than are presently involved. There's already a lot. What if double got involved? What if triple got involved? Can you imagine how many more people we could reach? How much more of Jesus' love we could share? That's the vision. And that's our purpose. The command for using our gifts is found in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Each one should use. That's the command. The trajectory of my life and your life is to be one of service. And in Mark chapter 10, verses 43, 44, and 45, Jesus said, whoever wants to become great must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many and the purpose of God giving us gifts is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Now, to each one, when we become Christians, we get spiritual gifts. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. I'm to be a conduit, a channel of God's grace, not a dam that stops it up. It's to flow through me to bless other people. God wants to use every one of us to bless other people. How could we say no? For heaven's sake and the sake of lost people all around us, we have got to say yes. Precious people need to know that Jesus loves them. You're having a vision night coming up here, which is pretty exciting, I think. And we had something a little bit similar uh, for our Bethany Compassion Center uh, back home uh, just a few days ago. And here's a picture of a bunch of people that live up in South Alaska called Everett. Um, a few years ago, uh, probably about 10 or 12, uh, God laid on my heart this idea, wouldn't it be great someday, wouldn't it be great someday if we could buy another building, downtown Everett, and start a compassion center? For years, we've done compassion work in our community, but it was beginning to gain momentum, and, and we just thought if we could have a, uh, you know, a place right downtown, right in the thick of life, we could really reach out and, and be a bigger blessing. And so God gave us that opportunity. Back in 2019, we were able to purchase a new building right on Broadway, which uh, if you don't know uh, much about Everett, that's the uh, main street in the center of the county seat 
And so we're in the middle of the city, in the middle of Snohomish County, and God's given us an extraordinary opportunity to build out 30 different ministries. And of course, we bought the building in 2019. We moved in in the first month of 2020, and then this thing called COVID happened. And we had to pivot and try to scramble, but uh, the needs were great, so we were able uh, actually to use that uh, in a positive way. But we gathered here the other night, and we just talked about the kinds of things we're talking about here. You know, last year we were able to demonstrate 60,000 acts of compassion, counting every food basket or backpack for kids or school supplies or support groups or work with, uh, you know, Evergreen Manor, which is a, uh, you know, a, a organization that works with uh, rehabilitating uh, women who are mothers but also hooked on uh, drugs, et cetera, et cetera. And we just started talking, wouldn't it be awesome if we could do more? Wouldn't it be awesome if we could do more? There's about 150 of us involved in regularly working at the Compassion Center. What if there were 200? What if there were 225? What if there were 250? Can you imagine the lives that could be touched? One gal, Lisa, got up and talked about how you know, her life was just totally messed up and she was trying to get off of drugs and get something made of her life and she came to the Compassion Center and it was one of those wow God stories. Another gentleman by the name of Mark who was homeless, you know, uh, got on video and described his story and we helped him get into Teen Challenge, an organization that helps walk guys back from uh, kind of a troubled life. And we just said there are so many people that need to know of God's love. We've got to somehow ramp things up and see how we can impact more people and show God's love in practical ways. And that's true for our church, and it's true for your church. That doesn't minimize the fact that there's a lot of people doing a lot of wonderful things and faithfulness, but how could we do more? The lostness of our world and the challenges around us require us to find any and every way we possibly can to reach out and touch more people. There's five steps to saying yes to serving others that I find in Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through about verse 8. And I want to just highlight these in the few moments that we have here today. The first one is simply this. I need to decide, am I going to dedicate my life to service or not? I need to dedicate my life to service. I want you just to think about that for just a half, uh, a half a minute. Am I going to dedicate my life to service or am I going to dedicate my life to me? My pursuits, my priorities, my passions, or am I all in with Jesus? Paul says, therefore, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. In the Old Testament, they would put a spotless lamb on the altar. Guess who gets to climb on the altar in the New Testament? Turn to your neighbor and point your finger at him. You, <laughs> me. We get on the altar. We sacrifice ourselves. We say, Lord, we're all in. I mean, you get all of us. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We want to serve you to our uttermost. If anyone would come after me, Jesus said, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily. I love how Luke inserts the word daily. That just resonates with me because I need to make a daily profession of faith and say, today, Lord, I want to live for you, not for me. Because I don't know if any of you are like me, but there's kind of a, a, a common pull of the carnal nature that kind of wants me to swing back to self-focus. 
And I need to deny myself daily and say, no, Lord, it's about you. It's your mission, not mine. Your purpose is not mine. Deny myself daily. I passed uh, JBLM on the way down here this morning, and uh, it just gave me a really warm part uh, in my heart. Lisa and I have three sons, and, uh, you know, the, the first two uh, graduated from high school, and then we have never seen them again. <laughs> uh, they went off to West Point and graduated from the military academy, and then one went to Germany, and one went to Italy as a, a sky soldier, and... Uh, 170, uh, 173rd, and then uh, just recently, uh, my Germanese son came to Fort Knox in Kentucky. He's the one with the two grandkiddos, and then uh, our middle son uh, is in Fort Carson in uh, Colorado Springs. And it was interesting, uh, as I think of their story, our third son said, forget the army, I'm going to be an attorney, and he's practicing law in Phoenix, so uh, then there's that. Uh, but the first two, since middle school wanted to go to West Point. And you know how it is. I mean, when I was in third grade, I wanted to be an NFL quarterback. And hey, don't look at me that way because it's still possible. Uh, and so, you know, when you hear your kids say things like that, you go, well, that's kind of a big ask, but hey, we want to nurture that and nourish it and encourage it the best we can. And lo and behold, that's where they end up going. And uh, jumping out of airplanes and doing some of that stuff, you know, improves my prayer life, let me put it that way. <laughs> but it was about a year ago that things were a little bit uh, dicey. Our uh, oldest son uh, was sent on a deployment somewhere in the Middle East. He couldn't tell us where he was going, what he was doing, otherwise he'd have to kill me, and I didn't want to die. So uh, we just left it at that. And uh, what made it a bit uh, emotional is that his wife was pregnant uh, with their second child, and she's all alone in Kentucky. And we said, Rachel, you got to come live with us. We would love for you to come live with us. And so uh, my wife kind of just redid the whole house, put her in the master bedroom. And we had just redone the master bath. And so she had the best of the best. And we tried to make it as comfortable as possible. And, of course, I was overjoyed. I got to spend a lot of time with my grandson. But it was a little bit nerve-wracking because it didn't look like our son would be able to make it home uh, for the birth. And... Um, and then we just didn't know where he was. Probably last summer, July and August, things started to get really, really rough in Afghanistan. You remember that part of the story? You know, just before the final pullout. And uh, I had been watching the news. And I mean, when you're an army family, those things kind of come home a little bit more. And some of you know what I'm talking about. And I'm going, wow, uh, I'm sure glad Reggie's not there. Uh, but boy, I sure feel bad for these families. And and then the story, the horrific story of the 13 servicemen and women, U.S. servicemen and women that were blown up uh, in the, you know, kind of the attack there by the gate at the Kabul airport. And it's like, oh, my goodness. And, you know, you're just grieving that for, for several days. And then it must have been maybe a week or so later, we hear Reggie's able to come home. And then whatever, whatever the timing was, I kind of forget the exact days Rachel gets a picture from my son, and there's Reggie doing a selfie. You know, he's in his, his army gear, and he's showing a picture of everybody behind. He's in a huge plane, and uh, the, the message was leaving Kabul, and the plane is full of Afghanis. He was the last plane out. 
And I gotta tell you, it's a little emotional for me to talk about it even right now, but when I looked at that, I immediately looked into his wife's eyes and I looked into my grandson's eyes and I thought, I couldn't help it, but I thought of the 13 that died and I said, this could have been very different. Why did their children pass away and I, I can't answer those things in the economy of God. I, I'm not smart enough to understand all those things, but, but I definitely prayed harder for them, and I was glad he was coming home. And he did make it home for his child's birth, which was awesome. But as I looked at that picture, I was stunned, speechless. And today it just makes me think that there are many in different walks of life that have risen to a calling of service that is, is pretty supreme. And I wanna just give a shout out to all of those of you who either serve in the military or you have family members that serve in the military. Can we say a big thank you to each and every one? There are sacrifices you make that uh, most of us will never completely understand and we say thank you. But what I wanna, do is pivot to you and me. Our commander-in-chief is Jesus Christ, and he's called us, if you want to use the metaphor, his army, he's called us into his service. And we need to match that intensity. Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins. He said, follow me. And that means we need to be all in, all in, in serving him every day, every week, every month all year long. And it's easy to dismiss that. Say, oh, Rob, come on, mellow out. You're getting too excited. But when you stop and think of the precious people around the walls of this church, in this community, up in our community that desperately need Christ, we're not gonna reach them through half-baked commitment. We will have to be all in. We will have to be. And I'm asking you just simply to pray about it. Ask yourself, what does that mean for me? The second thing is we need to eliminate competing distractions. Eliminate competing distractions. <laughs> we live in a world where there are so many distractions. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, there is so much out there that wars against the will and purposes of God. It says here, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to minimize, neutralize those competing uh, priorities that, that come at us. Uh, I need to make more money. I need to do this. I need to do that. And certainly there's a lot of important things. I'm not minimizing any of that. But somehow we got to figure out a way to make sure God's will, God's will, is the most important thing in our life. And that requires focus. It requires attention. If anyone wants to be first, Mark 9.35 says, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last and servant of all. You know, this is one of those passages where Jesus is just shaking his head going, what is with my disciples? They're always arguing as to who's the greatest. And Jesus had no interest in that discussion. To him, greatness was defined by service. If you want to be great, serve. Yeah. If you want to be first, be last. If you want to find life, lose it. That's how it works in the kingdom of heaven. 
And so he didn't quite understand it. He didn't really participate in it. Martin Luther King Jr. says, everyone can be great because everyone can serve. But we got to fight off distractions and excuses. Mother Teresa said, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do great things with great love. One of the things we know about Jesus is he was fixated, fixated on his mission. He came for the cross to die for us. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve. And then he said, as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. Whoa. That's a high calling. Next time you're invited to serve here at this great church, realize ultimately the ask is not coming from a pastor or a lay leader or a you know, any other person, it's ultimately coming from Christ. He's asking us to raise the level of the intensity of our serving. Number three, evaluate my strengths. Now, some of you are really good at music. Some of us are not. Some of you are very artistic. Some of you are, you have a, a, a scientific brain. Some of you are mathematicians. And on and on it goes. What gifts has God given you? What natural abilities has God given you? I think we need to think about our strengths. Notice what it says here in this passage. Let's take a look at verse three. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but rather uh, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of the faith God has given you. So don't think more highly of yourself. Don't be haughty, full of hubris. Look at how uh, the Phillips translation uh, or paraphrase puts it. Don't cherish exaggerated ideas of yourself or your importance. I love this next part. But try to have a sane estimate of your capabilities. Understand what you're capable, what you're good of. See, there's two things that jump out to me in this verse. The first one is the most obvious. Don't be arrogant. You know, don't think too highly of yourself. But the other one, I think, is as just as important. Don't think too lowly of yourself. I've been a pastor for 40-some years. And one thing I have come to know is a lot of good, godly people need to be reminded and encouraged that they have a lot to offer. God has given them a spiritual gift, start right there, that he wants them to use, employ, invest in blessing other people. And they have other talents and abilities that are, are just amazing. You guys uh, talk about this shape acrostic here at your church and that uh, we do as well. But spiritual gifts, every one of us as we come to Christ are given a spiritual gift. When we're born, natural birth, we're given a natural uh, gifts, spiritual birth, spiritual gifts. We all have a heart passion. There are things that mean the world to us. Some of you want to feed the poor. Some of you want to disciple young people. Some of you want to work on the youth team. Some of you are really full of hospitality. You want to be a part of first impressions. And on and on it goes. Various abilities, personalities. Some are extroverts. Some are introverts. And then how about your experiences? Some of you have amazing experiences of working through hardship. Painful, uh, positive, negative, educational, work-related experiences. God wants to use your shape, S-H-A-P-E. He wants to use all of it so that you can, in a powerful, potent, focused way, reach out and help other people. You say, I don't have the time. Well, who does? 
I don't have the energy. Well, well, who does? That's where we say, Lord, I'm willing. Help me figure it out. I want to be all in, Lord. Help me figure this out. You say, Rob, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm working two jobs and getting ready to start a third. I get it. I'm not the one that told you to use your gifts. Jesus did. Take it up with him. (laughs) I'm just the messenger. You know what I'm saying. Keep in mind the precious people that are going to be touched because of your faithfulness. That's the motivator for me. You've heard it said that God is not focused on your ability, but your availability. God uses ordinary people to do the extraordinary. He used a 14-year-old girl to house the Son of God. A young boy who just had a sack lunch to feed 5,000. What's in your hand to give? The boy said, well, I just got, you know, some fish and some bread. Let me take that and bless it and multiply it. Do we limit Jesus' ability to bless and multiply what we offer by withholding it? I think we do sometimes. He took fishermen and tax collectors and turned them into world changers. He took a Christian killer named Saul and turned him into Paul, the greatest missionary the world's ever seen. God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. He wants us to participate with other fellow believers. That's the beauty of the church. I mean, just look around. How many right now are seated by somebody who's alive? Let me see your hand. How many are seated by someone you're not sure? (laughs) Uh, If we still breathe, God has a purpose for us. If you still have breath, God has a purpose for you. You say, well, I don't know if I believe that. I I, I don't know. What what can I do? Ask him. Say, Lord, I'm available. I want to use the gifts, the time, the energy, the experiences you've given me to be a blessing to other people. Lord, I want to be used by you. I want to be faithful. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we are many form one body. We are part of one body. This church is one body. Remember that passage in 1 Corinthians 12 where Paul says, man, does the hand say to the foot, I don't need you? Remember that thing? I can just imagine that when, you know, the early followers heard that, they probably laughed. Oh, that's so funny. You know, when the mouth says to the ear, I don't need you. You know, Paul's saying, hey, not, not everybody's an eye. If everybody's an eye, I mean, you'd have kind of a monster. An eye on a face, that's an eye. That's on a neck, that's an eye. That's on a torso, that's an eye. You can follow that out. There's different parts to the body. Each of us have different parts to play. And then you expand that and understand we're a part of one church. The Lacey branch and the Everett branch, we're the same church. You know, we have a missionary team in Sumba, Indonesia right now, building churches and doing medical work. They're a part of the same church. I just came from Albania. We're part of the same church. And when we all work together under his leadership, great things happen. It's exciting to to think about. I mentioned um, Albania. And uh, 
had the privilege of traveling there in September to do a pastor's conference. And we took a team with us, and uh, some of the team did children ministry, some youth ministry. We did some uh, compassion work and some construction work. And uh, kind of the big thing for me to do was to lead this pastor's conference and uh, just kind of share real briefly. Uh, missionary Kurt Plagenhoff said, Rob, when you come, I just want you to know the pastors are really beaten down. Albania, uh, Montenegro, Kosovo, Macedonia, uh, a bunch of missionary, uh, pastors came together. He says they're beaten down. They're really discouraged. Uh, some of these pastors are very young, but they've been at it for 12 years and only have 14 or 15 people in their church. I mean, the soil is really, really hard. In Albania alone, less than one half of 1% are Christians. So 99.5 are not open to the gospel. And it's hard. And they're bivocational. They have full-time jobs. And they're pastoring churches on the side. Uh, one guy uh, gave a testimony after. He said, I came to this event and I, you know, I was getting ready to throw in the towel. I didn't even want to come. Um... Uh, Learned later, another couple's marriage was on the rocks, about ready to crumble, and uh, on and on. So I'm going back there going, whoa, this is kind of a, a heavy assignment, but God, let's, let's see if we can be a blessing. And to make a long story short, the uh, Lord really ministered to these pastors, and we just encouraged them that God has given them this mission and this calling. They're fulfilling God's calling. We're all in this thing together. Uh, faithfulness is more important than, than anything else. Let's be faithful. Let's string together days and weeks and months and years. Be faithful to the Lord. And did a lot of weeping, a lot of crying, a lot of praying. A couple of these young pastors, I have a couple of pictures of them, you know, in northern Albania. Delightful, delightful young couple, just as faithful as they come. This other couple from Kosovo, I remember her coming up to me and you know, saying thank you, just tears streaming down her face. And man, it just breaks your heart. But they were grateful for the goodness of God and they wanted to serve. Many of you say, man, I got a full-time job. I don't have any energy or time. Well, so do they. And God's called them to plant churches <laughs> where life is really hard. And if every Christian in all of our churches throughout America and around the world would rise up and say, I am all in. God, use the gifts you've planted in me to be a blessing. Can you imagine how powerful that would be? And that doesn't minimize the fact that there's already tons and tons of people in this church and certainly back home in our church that are doing that very thing. But imagine if there were more. Imagine if we could double our efforts. Finally, one more before we close. I need to activate my gifts. That's what Paul says. He says, okay, you've been given gifts. Now, what are you going to do with them? You need to activate them. We have different gifts according to the grace given us, he says, prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing, leadership. And, you know, I just put on the screen here some examples in the Bible of people that demonstrate that gifting. John the Baptist, gift of prophecy. A lot of people think that's predicting the future like we read about in Daniel and Revelation, but really it's forthtelling, not just foretelling. It's, it's speaking into someone's life and challenging them to live for God or, or intervening in someone's life and encouraging them to step away from something that's really dragging them down. John the Baptist spoke into people's life. Martha, a great example of serving as we know. Paul, tremendous teacher, taking complex issues and making them clear. 
Some of you may have the gift of prophecy in the foretelling uh, side of things. Some of you are great servers. Some of you can teach like there's no tomorrow. Many of you have the gift of encouragement, like Barnabas in the New Testament, the son of encouragement, where you just have the gift of coming alongside people and lifting their spirits. We need more of you. Don't hold back. We need all the encouragement we can get. Giving. Macedonian church is a great example. They were poor, but they begged for the opportunity to give. Can you imagine that? They begged for the opportunity to give. Leading, Nehemiah, credible example, showing mercy, the good Samaritan. Are you willing to dedicate your life to service? Are you willing to pray, God, I want to be all in. And I want to string together days and weeks and months of faithful, faithful service. Next spring, Lisa and I are leading a uh, group of people to the Holy Land. And we've done that several times before, but what always catches me, especially when I talk about this subject right here, is that there's two seas that I want to talk about in the Holy Land, the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee. The Dead Sea, as you know from your reading and knowledge, and many of you maybe have been there, is dead. (laughs) Uh, Nothing's living. Nothing in it, nothing around it to speak of, it's completely dead. But what's interesting about that is it has water coming in, but no water going out. And so it's stagnant and it's pollutant and it's repugnant in that way. The Sea of Galilee is totally opposite. It's fertile. Uh, there's vegetation. It's, it's teeming with life in the sea and on the outside. But what's interesting is it has water flowing in and water flowing out. It receives and it also gives. Reminds me of a verse, it's more blessed to give than to what? So, the Sea of Galilee to me is a metaphor, uh, an allegory maybe, of our spiritual lives. Lord, am I just taking in, consuming, 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 or am I a contributor? Am I a conduit through which the grace of Christ can flow through me and out of me to touch the lives of people around me? Starting with my family, where I work, in my neighborhood, through my church. I want to invite you to bow your heads with me. If you're here today and you have not committed your life to Jesus, if you're not a Christian, or maybe you were a Christian but kind of strayed and you want to commit or recommit your life to Christ today, that's where we really need to start. Take a moment and just say, Lord, we're talking about serving, but the reality is I need to commit my life to Jesus. I want to go to heaven someday. Forgive me of my sins. Live in me. Flow through me. pray that prayer, make that commitment. To most of us, the message is about serving. We've committed our life to Christ, but now it's a question of, are we living up to the standard and expectation that Christ called demands of us? Are we willing to be all in and allow God's love to flow through us to touch precious people around us? And I invite you to pray a prayer of commitment. Lord, 
I commit to using my gifts to serve you. Would you do that right now? I commit to using my gifts to serve you. Lord, I want to be on a trajectory with my life where I am a servant, where I am focused on the purposes and priorities of Christ. Would you just pray in your heart, Lord, today, I commit fully and totally to say yes to the call of Christ, the call of Jesus on my life to serve faithfully. If you're already serving, ask God to help you know how you can ratchet that up even a bit more. Be more faithful. If you're not involved, I encourage you to stop by the table out in the lobby and also on the wall. There's incredible opportunities all over the place for you to use your gifts to serve. Lord, I thank you for True Grace Church. I thank you for this incredible beacon of hope in this community. I thank you for the work they do through missions around the world. God, continue to bless and grow and use this church. Be with Pastor Peter and the entire staff. Bless his family. Bless this church family. We thank you for the incredible work they do for the kingdom of heaven. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Real quickly, uh, some of you are passionate and you know you're gifted to serve. Don't let anything stop you from finding that and just making that place a place of service. In the lobby, there are some urgent needs on the wall. Uh, Pastor Lauren went to the effort putting this up so that you could walk by. And it's not just kids, but it actually says like we need four four helpers in the nursery or preschool. It's very specific. And some of you are like, no, I don't want to work with little kids, but I want to work with older kids. Uh, And so there's all these specific things and there are some urgent needs. Perhaps no more urgent time of more volunteers needed in their church uh, than today um, because of what's happened the last couple of years. So if you don't know where you're called to serve, uh, but you're willing to you know, jump in and find an urgent need, would you stop by the wall and just take a look at what's really uh, necessary there and need and see if there's something you can do. Also, next week uh, is vision night, uh, next Sunday night. Would you like a little precursor to some of the vision, some of the changes that are going to happen? Yeah, I would too, but you're going to have to wait till next Saturday, Sunday night, okay, so... So don't forget about that. Make sure you're serving. Make sure you're, you encourage someone, you bless someone today as well. All right, God bless you. Thanks for being in church. Have an incredible week in the Lord.